0: Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please, contribute generously to Future Primitive. Hi, my friends who listen to Future Primitive. I just interviewed Dr. Eben Alexander, who wrote the book Proof of Heaven at the Connecting for Change conference in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Dr. Eben Alexander, a renowned academic neurosurgeon, spent 54 years honing his scientific worldview. He thought he knew how the brain and mind worked. A transcendental near-death experience in which he was driven to the brink of death and spent a week deep in a coma from an inexplicable brain infection changed all of that completely. In his best-selling book, Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, Dr. Alexander explains that he was shocked to find the hyper-reality of that spiritual realm, which many had reported as NDEs. Dr. Alexander believes that together, science and spirituality will thrive in symbiosis, offering the most profound insight into fundamental truth, yielding unimaginable power. By probing deeply into our own consciousness, we transcend the limitations of the human brain and of the physical, material realm. Welcome, Eben Alexander. And uh, I just want to ask you to begin talking about your work.
1: I was thinking there has to be a way to explain this. Uh, based in the brain. And so I kept thinking there had to be a brain-based explanation. And of course, that's a lot of what I go into in the book, and the hypotheses that uh, I worked with, with colleagues, with my doctors, uh, trying to uh, explain this as a brain-based phenomenon. And yet, the more I went into my own medical records and my uh, scans and everything, and of course, my doctors had known this when I first came back, they said, well, you can't have had any rich incredible ultra real experience because any parts of your brain that were necessary for that were being destroyed by this uh, severe meningitis Uh, and to this day they have no idea how i've had such a complete recovery and that's what i wrestled with for months uh, struggling trying to understand it as brain based and yet the parts of my brain that would have anything to do with a drug effect or a hallucination or a dream or confabulation those parts of the brain were wiped out. And that's why it was so stunning. And especially the fact that the, the rich journey in the gateway and in the core that I described, the spiritual journey, that seemed to go on for months or years, I mean, this was an incredible odyssey, but obviously had to fit within seven earth days, because that's how long I was in coma. But that was the blinders coming off to this reality far beyond... What I think my brain, even today, very healthy and recovered, could could muster because it was so extraordinary. And that is a big part of the lesson is that mind, consciousness, soul, spirit is far richer. It's the thing that actually exists. The brain does not create consciousness. Of that I'm quite certain. And other neuroscientists and philosophers dealing with brain and mind have come to that conclusion over millennia. And also in the last, uh, you know, decades of the heyday of scientific materialism, to realize that consciousness, spirit, soul, is a far grander entity that is at the basis of all that exists.
0: So, people for a long time have reported back experiences of indarkment and then enlightenment-like you have I'm interested to know how has this changed you as a human being like for instance yesterday a woman that had been to listen to you said to me that she knows a Jill Bolt Taylor Mm -hmm. and she recognized a similar energy in the presence in everyday life Mm -hmm. in you and in her
1: how has this modified you as a human being? Well, near-death experiences, in general, change one's life, and, and that's one of the interesting things from a neuroscientific standpoint, is I never paid attention to that literature before, and a striking feature is that those memories do not fade. They're not like the memories of a dream or hallucination or our kind of experiences in everyday life kind of memories. These memories do not fade, and it's, uh, in my view, that's because they do not occur. The experience doesn't occur and the memory is not formed in a brain-based scenario. It's completely uh, in that realm of consciousness of soul and spirit. And coming back from this, I was very much transformed. But important to remember, I was so sick from the meningitis that when I was first coming back, I had no words, no language, no memories of Evan Alexander's life, none of my personal memories, any of my scientific knowledge or religious beliefs. All that stuff was wiped out by severe meningitis that had destroyed my neocortex. Now everything came back quickly. Words and language over hours, uh, family memories, childhood memories over weeks, and then knowledge of consciousness, brain, mind, 20 years plus in neuroscience, uh, came back over eight weeks or so. And I was transformed um, initially, I mean, completely changed, but the real power change came as a collision of my returning memories and knowing of brain, mind, science, physics, chemistry, biology, colliding with the experience that I knew perfectly well from Deep in Coma. And as those two things amalgamated over a few months, that's when my life really changed completely. And that's when I knew the story had to come out. I wasn't certain how best to tell it, what the audience was, etc. But I knew it was so world-changing that it had to come out. And it's completely changed me by knowing that our souls are absolutely, without question, eternal spiritual beings. And that each and every one of us is exactly that. An eternal spirit being that has infinitely more capability and uh, uh, you know existence uh, than we visualize in this little birth to death kind of illusion down here, and yet we can all get in touch with that. You don't have to die or almost die. Uh, that's why deep meditation is my current research interest, and I do the work with sacred acoustics uh, in bringing tools to the world to help people get into deep states of transcendental uh, consciousness and uh, getting in touch with that universal oneness of mind that we all are that at its very core is divine.
0: So I understand that you are enjoying living as Ebon more than you did before and perhaps your relationships to people are deeper and more beautiful than
1: they were very much and that includes relationships to everything to all of this world to all of life to all of this universe realizing again that the, that idea of birth to death nothing more is very confusing you know our uh, existence makes very little sense if you're have that limited point of view but by realizing that We are in this rich tapestry, this network, each and every one of us, of multiple lives interconnected with soulmates and uh, with the lessons that we're learning as a soul group in ascending uh, to those higher and higher levels towards the divine, away from a notion of self, towards a notion of oneness. And that is what this growth and ascendance of our souls is all about. And that's why we live in this imperfect material realm that has the apparent evils and injustices uh, because those offer choices in our free will and we can choose to align ourselves in towards that divinity and towards the oneness and towards love or we can make choices that deviate from that, that are more out of fear, uh, out of buying into the illusion of the material realm as being the only thing that exists, uh, choices where we Forget, we choose to forget our connection to each other, to all life, and to the divine, or where we choose to remember that. So it's very much uh, a completely new understanding of how rich our existence truly is, and that it's all about those lessons uh, that we're here to learn. Many lessons presented in the form of hardships. As a healer, hardship can include illness, injury. Uh, And I see those as gifts, as uh, divine opportunities for our growth and for manifesting choices that are about love and sharing, compassion, forgiveness, and acceptance, and of oneness, and that take us away from that illusion of the material birth to death, nothing more. The illusion of self is important, self and non-self. Those things are very limiting and confusing. And taking down those boundaries, the false boundaries, Uh, Boundaries that say you're either spiritual or scientific. Well, in fact, spirituality and science greatly strengthen each other. And it's by transcending above those false boundaries that come out of our linguistic brain, out of our kind of logical, rational thinking, our ego and self-centered part of our brain. It's by meditation, uh, centering prayer, uh, gift of desperation. Whatever takes us into that level of starting to see that oneness that we are all divine and connected, that's what allows us to transcend those falsehoods that have led to, um, you know, so much confusion over the dogma of science, the dogma of religion, you know, that says there's one right religion and the others are wrong. Well, that's false. At their core, they have a deep mystical tradition that converges into a oneness and a knowing and truth. And that is what I think we're all pursuing.
0: You speak in your book of when you were very young, having taken LSD. Uh, I myself have had that experience and reflected on it a lot it took me time to be able to put words to the experience but the simplest way I can express it is that I came to a moment that I remember very well where I realized that I was not looking with my eyes I was looking through my eyes Mm -hmm. so I want to ask you if uh, you feel that that experience is somewhat congruent with the experience that you had in those days?
1: I would say uh, and people often ask me about uh, you know, dimethyltryptamine DMT yeah, which is which one of the produce. molecules that's kind of behind ideas about near death experiences and kind of the extraordinary visions and experiences people can have in a near death experience that they bring back and uh, people will often say, well, don't you think it's just like a DMT trip or LSD or psilocybin, whatever. Um, and what I would say is I think that uh, hallucinogens like that are a very powerful window into the true nature of existence and of consciousness and of who we are. But I, I prefer meditation in getting to those same states. And I think it takes a longer practice Uh, with meditation, and I like to spend two or three hours a day meditating, and I see advantages coming to me year after year with that kind of practice. And that's really my preference, Um, even though I would not deny that I think that those kind of drugs and people who uh, go on shamanic journeys with ayahuasca in a very sacred setting, you know, ayahuasca being a form of DMT, um, they can be very... uh, illustrative of certain facets of consciousness, but I feel like it's, it's kind of like trying to look at a, the reflection, say, of a fine autumn scene in a, in a beautiful lake out in the wilderness, but having somebody throw this giant rock in there, and then you're trying to bring back what that reflection looks like. Uh, and to me, psychedelic drugs and the chemicals like that do create so much kind of distortion that I think it's difficult to bring some of those lessons back. Uh, and that 's why, to people out there i I recommend meditation. I think it's a smoother and in the long run more powerful way of bringing back some of those truths about the nature of who we are. Uh, but I would not deny that I think one can learn more about kind of reality uh and consciousness and about our existence through um, work with some of those chemicals, but I would advise people only to do that in a you know in a very sacred setting this is not just for personal experimentation for people to go out on their own and try and get to these truths because some of the changes some of the landscape you encounter there can be very very challenging and uh i think that that's better handled in you know for for one thing with professionals in a in a sacred setting Uh, But again, my main recommendation is to go with a meditation because I think that's a much cleaner way to get at the same truths, very powerful, and to bring some of that knowing back to this world. And not all of it can be brought back. That's why I encourage people very deeply to meditate, centering prayer, whatever your means of quieting that voice in our head, that little voice of fear and anxiety, ego, self. Let that little voice be silent and there's so much more in our consciousness. Remember that our consciousness is not that little voice because the little voice is almost comparable to a parlor trick. I know the parts of the brain that give us the little voice and allow us to interpret it. I know the little voice tells us that it is uh, the decision maker and yet scientific experiments Benjamin Libet and others uh, years ago showed that little voice is a spectator. It tells you it's the decision maker, but the real magic of consciousness is the observer. And that is what we get in touch with. And there are so many more guides and so much more information deep at the core that that observer can come in touch with through meditation.
0: I have one more question for you, which is why do you somewhat you have chosen when you came back to be who you are and you make choices constantly to be who you are in this moment. Why do you, uh, why have you chosen Christianity or re-chosen Christianity?
1: I think it's important to point out that the value I see in my own uh, kind of religious practice now, which just so happens to be Episcopalian in a Christian church, um, is mainly because of the fellowship because of the oneness and the unity that it offers and i always hasten to point out uh, whenever i i discuss this kind of feature of my own personal existence now is the god the entity the all-powerful indescribable deity that i came to know in my coma that i go to all the time in my meditation in centering prayer and in my sound meditations uh, is a God that is infinitely loving of all. And so clearly there's no one religion that gains favor. That's why I make the point. That God loves Christians, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Atheists, Skeptics. That God loves all, and not just humans, all of life. And not just life on earth, but consciousness far beyond the bounds of this world. Very important to point that out. So for me, the personal value I find in my very strong and renewed faith in God that I just so happen to practice by praying in an Episcopal church has nothing to do with any kind of limitations it has to do with the fact that we are all one that we are here to manifest that love of the creator for the creation for all beings and that we simply manifest very ancient ideas I mean this is kind of at the core of, of I would say of the Abrahamic faiths, uh, is one of this love and of this caring and compassion. And it goes beyond that. I mean, obviously, uh, I think His Holiness, the, the Dalai Lama, perfect example of compassion in living today. And it's a compassion for all life and all beings. And so uh, I find that at, at the core, all of these religious uh Systems. once you get beyond the dogma and any of the kind of separatist details at the surface, that they all converge on the same very powerful unifying principle of manifesting the love of the creator for the creation. And as I said earlier, the ascendance of our souls and soul groups has everything to do with leaving that notion of self and importance of self versus non-self way behind in the dust and ascending towards that oneness and the love and compassion and forgiveness and that's where this world is headed now
0: thank you Evan. i also would like to ask you how has it been for you to be at this conference and what can you say about the work of the Marian institute and how you are feeling today after these two and a half days well, with us?
1: Well, I must say this uh, conference is a real eye-opener. It's a world-class conference. Uh, this is the way you change the world, is by doing exactly what the Marion Institute and this uh, uh, conference uh, you know, on change and on connectivity uh, is bringing right into this world, into reality. And I think a lot of people I've talked to here have just been completely transformed by the experience. And of course, there are other groups around the world that are doing similar things, and I know that Marion Institute reaches out to help bring those groups together, just as they all do. They all realize this is a win-win situation. And I would say that the change that's coming on this world will be unprecedented. And it is all about love and harmony and it's all about how we are at a point now where uh, the status quo and kind of continuing with the way we've done business, you know, especially in the 20th century and early in the 21st century, uh, is not really compatible with an ongoing sustainable world and that it, this is coming for a reason. The change is coming on us for a reason. It will be very good news, but it involves radical fundamental change of all of our beliefs as stewards of this planet. And uh, I believe, just as I always make a big point, that we have uh, the choices offered up as free will choices about going with the love or going out of fear. Um, and that's why, for example, Uh, suicides lead to a very interesting life review well i don't believe that it's our current destiny to follow uh, a course of planetary suicide but in fact that's exactly where this world is headed if we do not change the status quo and that's why this conscious awakening is happening now for a reason And it's going to be great news for every one of us, but it does involve very significant change and each one of us becoming personally involved.
0: Thank you so much, Evan. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.